You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians, brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is back. They have some fantastic new flavors. I wouldn't watch the video for fun just because I like the product so much, and I was curious to see what was going to happen. So nice to have them back as a sponsor. Uh, if you listened to yesterday's podcast, I kind of whined at the end that uh, I had gone so long and I should have saved some of that content because there wouldn't be a whole lot to talk about today, likely. And, uh, well, thank you, Zach Plesak. If you missed it, he posted a video that was the most in- ill-conceived video he could possibly post. So, Plesak takes the time to post this video on his Instagram, uh, talking about CDC regulations, which... Again, the MLB regulations are stricter than those. Talks about what happened and how the evil media is trying to, uh, you know, misguide his teammates and basically the the media is out to get him. Uh, It talks about the importance of safety. Never apologizes for his choices. Just the whole video is him defending his choices and talking about, you know, the safe approach. Except for he is recording this video while driving a moving car. There's no one else in the vehicle. So he is driving a car and so focused on driving that he's also staring into a camera while he's holding it and recording it. Uh, that's about as unsafe as you can get. Uh, I, I mean, that's just ter- that's that might be worse behavior than going out uh, when he was told not to. Uh, and for people who were really noticing, he's not even wearing a seatbelt correctly. He's wearing it in a position that uh, makes it even more dangerous for himself. So yeah, it just was extremely tone deaf. This is like we've talked about Paul Dolan in his tone-deaf moments. This was a tone-deaf moment by Plesak. No apology. Talking about the evil media out to get him. And at the end of the day, you know, it also implies the media lied about things. And yes, you know, there were some implications that I even pointed to that I thought he probably went to out someplace. He's claiming it was just an eight-person dinner and that they, you know, this and that. And we don't know the full truth of it at this point in time. All we know is he, he broke the rules and then lied about it. And we know he lied about it, and we know Clevenger lied about it, not because of the media, but because his teammate Adam Plutko said so. And we know the teammates have issues and that, you know, he was upset that he's being painted as a bad teammate. We know teammates have issues with him as a teammate because Francisco Lindor also talked about the importance of selflessness, read between the lines, calling him selfish. Uh, Plutko and Lindor's words were extremely harsh and showed... Uh, clubhouse that was not happy with two players and was, you know, the the players were going to come back to a situation where they were going to get rid of the riot act. Uh, the rest of the team understood a situation where there's multiple high-risk individuals, including Carlos Carrasco and Tito Francona, who have gone through so much and, you know, they, they followed the rules and these two felt like they didn't need to. And Plesak was out of the woods. You know, he was forgotten about because Clevenger had gone and hidden that he had been out and exposed his teammates to even greater risk and their families and the coaches and all of this things that he had done. Plesak was forgotten about. We had all moved on. Whatever. He made a poor choice. Then he posts this video and it just, it makes him look, for lack of a better word, like an idiot. Talking about safety while driving a car. And recording and not paying attention to what he's doing. Like, you're kidding me, right? It just, the whole thing was extremely foolish, extremely tone deaf. And for him to complain about the evil media, you know, painting him a bad teammate and causing issues in the clubhouse, 
it wasn't the media. It was his own teammates. It was the media reporting what his teammates had stated that was the worst of the information that we had. The harshest words I saw came from his own teammates. And at the end of the day, uh, this isn't going to help man Bridges. And he showed zero feelings of uh, guilt for breaking the rules. He showed zero feelings of, you know, being uh, at all sorry for what he did. He just felt that uh, what he did wasn't really wrong and that uh, the rules didn't apply to him, basically. And the lack of accountability, I've talked about this. I'm a teacher. That's the day job. That's what keeps the lights on. This is for fun for me to do this. As a teacher who has taught at the elementary and middle school level, uh, the biggest issue I've had in the last like 10 years of teaching is lack of accountability. And it's often, you know, kids through the parents where, you know, they, they, the kid is never wrong and they always have a reason. It's never, you know, and I, I since I specifically work with students who had, uh, you know, behavioral issues, I would always point out when I made a mistake and be like, I'm owning up. It's important to own up to your mistakes. And Zach Plesak needs to own up because whether or not he thinks he made a mistake, he broke the rules. You know, there were rules in place and if you break them, there's, you know, things happen. And whether or not he believes doesn't matter because rules are set in place, rules are set and come, you know, this is not, uh, it's not up for debate. It's the same thing I say in my classroom, you know, it's like we set up rules and when you break them, there's consequences. Most 10 year olds understand that, but you know, it's Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, Zach Plesak, uh, all have shown ability to be great pitchers. They've all worked together. They're very good at their craft, but all three have never been wrong. They're always the ones who blame others for their issues, uh, and I've never seen uh, any sense of accountability with those three guys. There's there's definitely a common theme there, and it's crazy to me because having met Clevenger when he was a a pitcher in double a who was essentially a no one you know he had been this throw-in piece on a reliever and uh at that point in time the I mean, there were other trades i mean clevenger was an afterthought acquisition and going into that year and i remember him coming out and pitching so well at the start and i was talking to people like he is just the kindest most humblest guy you'll meet uh extremely humble just very happy and you know getting to interact with him you saw that that this was just a, a guy who was working his tail off but was kind of uh, a, very humble about the success after his struggles, and you're that is gone when you look at the videos and some other things. That humbleness is not there. Um, you know, he's definitely enjoyed the fruits of his labor, and he has benefited uh, from working his tail off. And he's now, you know, he's a recently single guy in the last year or so, and he's uh, he's gonna he wants to go out and have his fun and. I always have a hard time blaming anyone for that, but in this situation, when you look at these three players, I just wish there was a little more accountability. I wish there was more accountability with everyone everywhere. Uh, when you make a mistake, just say, I messed up. Maybe it's because of my EDD, and if you follow me on Twitter, you see me make constant errors with the, the ADD and dyslexia, uh, the typing and the word. So I've always had to just be very honest about mistakes because they're right there for everyone to see. And uh, that ability to say that is something that I just wish we'd see in, in these three pitchers. Bauer's not here anymore, but I also, you know, to this day, Bauer's had one fantastic season and the rest have been good, not great. It's like you wonder when if people are a little more open to listening, how much better they might even become. So my first ad read for Built Bar went about three minutes, and that's when I'm like, okay, let's delete this and try again. So they wanted us to watch a new video for Built Bar. 
and they sent us the link and all the information and I had already watched the video because I enjoyed this product so much and I was excited to see what the new Built Bar is going to look like. Uh, they're doing some fun things. One of the biggest things to point out is I want to make sure I can read to you the exact new flavors. Uh, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They still have the 12 original flavors and I've talked about it a lot. I just love Built Bar. This is for me the best protein bar around. I am gluten-free. This uh, bar is chewy, it's moist, it's fantastic. I have made two orders so far. I am very likely to do another order with the new flavors coming. I'm hoping we'll get another uh, trial box, we will see. But BuiltBar.com, I can't speak highly enough of their product. It is a product I use every single day. So that's about the highest price I can get. And you go to Built Bar right now and enter the promo code Locked On, and they've reset that code. So if you've used the Locked On code before, you can use it again now. You go and you use Locked On, you're going to get $10 off. And they say for about the next week, you'll get a free cooler. It's just while supplies last. So if you want to go, go quickly. Use that promo code Locked On, get $10 off, and get that free cooler. Our other great sponsor is CBDMD. I have talked about them a lot of times. Right now, if you go to their website, they have Bubba Watson, is uh, the Team CBD uh, athlete, uh, the golfer is shown there. And, you know, they just have all their products. I have not been someone who has used CBD products in the past. I've always been tempted as a person with anxiety to try these out. Uh, they have tinctures, they have gummies, they have topicals, they have capsules, they have sleep aids, they have things for pets, they have bath bombs. And, you know, I do know people who use the products and use CBD and speak highly of the products. And I've known specifically I have friends who are epileptic and uh, CBD is one of those things that helps with that. And if you're like me and you've ever been curious, now is the time to go. Because when you go to CBDMD right now, we have the very MLB specific locked on MLB and you're going to get 25% off your order. So when you go right now, CBDMD, use that promo code locked on, you can try CBD products and get 25% off. I think that is the highest discount anyone has given on this show for their products. CBDMD, promo code locked on MLB. Okay. So the Indian, I always come back and say, okay. And I, I know I talked about it a few times on the show and I still haven't improved it at all. Uh, so yeah, I need to get better. So the Indians, it's it's been an up and down season. The season's 33% in the books. We are a third of the way through the season. Normally that's around somewhere in the mid 50s in terms of games. You know, if you're looking, it's probably like 53 and what, you know, round up to 54. And instead we're at for the Indians 19 games. It's still a third of the way through. And the trade deadline is 17 days away. It's closer than you think, it's two and a half weeks. Uh, we could be, you know, the last two and a half weeks with uh, several players in Cleveland. And the other interesting thing is the talk that they're going to start releasing the kind of like black box data. Uh, there's going to be some sharing of everything that's going on at the the secondary sites where, you know, the prospects are, are practicing. And, and the reason they want to do that is because it's going to make it easier for trades because you can't go and scout these guys right now. You can't go see these players. So how are you going to go see how you're going to go scout? Well, the answer is this uh the data that's being collected on site and they're going to share this amongst themselves and it's going to make such trades easier because trades are going to be hard when you can't scout you have to take a leap of faith you know you're not seeing the developmental curve you're not seeing what's happening what do you do and that was a really hard situation for a team like the indians who could be sellers 
and this is a way they can get more data and more information, use what they had from a year ago while combining it with uh, what they're able to get from other teams. And it's going to be very important because it struck me. I mean, I didn't realize we were just two and a half weeks out from that trade deadline. And what might the Indians do? Adding a bat's going to be tempting. I think promoting someone like Nolan Jones is tempting. I talked about that on the Tigers podcast. They're like, what could the Indians do to get help? And they're like, you're going to promote George Valera? I'm like, probably not. And I explained, you know, my concerns with his K rate there and why I'm a big fan of his, but I don't think he's quite the guy you're going to promote right away. Uh, and why Jones made a little bit more sense. And then we talked a little bit, honestly, about the, the Indians and the uh, terribleness of their uh, outfield development. But the upper minors, just, you know, I have the fan graph list in front of me. It's like Nolan Jones spent time last year in double A. Valera and Freeman and Rocoya were all low A. Karen Chalk in the majors, Daniel Johnson in the majors, Daniel Espino, lower minors, uh, not even A ball. Bo Naylor, A-Ball, Lenny Torres, Tommy John. I don't even think Torres is in camp with them. In terms of guys who could help, you're probably looking like Eli Morgan and Scott Moss. In terms of bats, there's not a whole lot. And I guess that's kind of the problem. And the Indians have tried so many different things in the outfit. At some point, you just kind of want to settle down and see what guys can do. It's interesting how much Oscar Mercado has kind of fallen off that a lot of places aren't projecting him even as a starter anymore for the Indians. And he hasn't been getting as many reps, and it's it's quite the fall. And I hate doing the little victory lap about a player's struggles, but this was always my concern with Mercado and something I talked about repeatedly on the show, that this is a guy where if you are convinced he's a starter, I didn't know how you had enough data to be convinced by that yet. Uh, we'll see what happens with Naquin. Uh, it's going to take him a while to get back into correct form. But Leplo Naquin was such an effective platoon a year ago. You know, Mercado's defense never slumps, but honestly, it's like Delano DeShields brings better defense and center and better speed. With Mercado, you were hoping the bat would be about league average over the course of a season. It hasn't been even approaching that, and that is an issue. Uh, Mike Freeman in the outfield should never, ever, ever happen. Like, that needs to just stop right now. So how do you fix the Indians' offense? Honestly, it probably comes down to considering trading a starter. And that is going to be the question, is what do they do? And when you talk about trading a starter with the Cleveland Indians, you're not going to trade Shane Bieber. He's your best pitcher. You're not going to trade Carlos Carrasco uh, because the value is very fluid with him. He is already in his mid-30s. You're just not going to get a huge return. So then you have to look at the next group, which is the Plutko, Saval, Clevenger, and Plesak. And Plutko, Saval, and Plesak are all cheap. And that matters, especially with the ownership uh, mandate. And that is why, you know, even before all of this, Clevenger made the most sense. That's why, you know, I talked about many times that a year from now, he would not be a Cleveland Indian because he's going to get more pricey uh, just in terms of his age. He is, you know, a player that debuted later. So when you look at the, the issues with age and his cost, and as he is closer to free agency than anyone else in that pitching staff, he was always the player that made the most sense. Um, you know, I talked about Plutko because the stuff is, isn't as good, but the issue with the Plutko is you're not going to get a ton. Clevenger, when he's going well, is a top 10 pitcher in baseball by many people's estimations. And with the amount of teams that need pitchers, his value 
is uh, still going to be through the roof. So I, I finally pulled up his age. He will be 30 in December. But uh, if a team acquired him in the off season, which is very possible as well, they would get him for the 2021 and 2022 season. So it's two full seasons or in the middle of next season, which is exactly when they traded Bauer, uh, is a similar thing. Now, the, the other knock, of course, on Clevenger is going to be that when you look at him, 2016 was the debut. debut. Wow, trouble speaking there. Through 53 innings that year was okay. 2017 is really when he got that starting role, but it was 21 games started, 27 total games, so only 121 innings. He got 32 uh, starts in 2018, 200 innings. Last year was just 21 starts, 126 innings. So, you know, the war of 2.1, 4.2 last year was 4.5. So, I mean, he was a significant jump in value because he pitched uh, 74 less innings, but accumulated more value. The injury record is the other reason because he has not been able to go out there and be a, uh, a reliable rubber arm guy. He's a guy who traditionally misses a few games a year. That's also going to be the knock and the concern. That's where teams are going to go back and forth with it, and the Indians can always push the fact that he has been, you know, such a good pitcher at peak, and if a team really doesn't want him, there's going to be other teams who do. And, again, when you look at the things like closest to free agency, you're looking at uh, age, the lack of uh, stability in terms of staying healthy. That is what would motivate a Clevenger trade, what just happened doesn't motivate a Clevenger trade on any level. Um, of course, if Clevenger <laughs> traded, every single article would focus on that. And yeah, okay, fair, maybe 5%, maybe a little bit it pushes. And, you know, I talked about maybe it does make them a little pissed off, but ownership with what he did. But you're, the other reasons to move him are the significant ones. Any trade that would come would be based off of you know, the, the health issues, the age, closeness to free agency, and the rising cost in arbitration. That is what would make him the primary uh, movable asset that is going to net you uh, a player who can come in and help right away. And when you just look at baseball right now, teams like, it's you know, the Atlanta Braves, everyone loved their minor league system, and none of those starters are working out for them. They're reaching for arms, and they had everyone talked about all the pitching there and none of that pitching except for Soraka who then went and got hurt has really worked out and they're still trying to find pitching Philadelphia drafted so many pitchers and had a lot I mean most of their minor league prospects at points in time were pitching prospects and it just again has not worked out uh Spencer Howard did get the call up but I mean they Philadelphia is calling up everyone Alec Baum got the call up uh Adam Hazley was called up a year ago. That that minors is ugly. It's uh, it's been ransacked with promotions and trades and some of the signings costing them draft picks. So that's, that's another one of those teams that still is probably in the market for a, a pitcher or two. There's one team I, I want to talk about in particular that I think a trade would make a lot of sense, and that is a team you don't often hear about. It is an NL team, and it is what we're going to talk about on the show tomorrow. So tune in. It's I, I really like the combination of parts and pieces that make sense for a trade with uh, this particular team in the NL, whose fan graphs uh, playoff percentages are over 60%. So you can go and 
if you're very curious, get it down to four or five teams that it could be. But there was one in there that I I went, ooh, and then I looked at the mix of prospects and uh, near-ready talent and went, hmm, and spent some time digging. So that is the end of the show today. Again, tune in tomorrow as we will talk about the, the Tiger series. We will talk about this trade to lead off the show that uh, I will propose for the Cleveland Indians. As always, I want to thank the fantastic audience out there for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading, telling a friend that is so important to this podcast. I uh, thank you all. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go Tribe. <laughs>